Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Steve Kenneval, a head of content at equities.com and cryptosumer.com. Steve, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on the show. It's equities.com and cryptosumerism.com. Two great sites. Cryptosumerism. Okay, great. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I looked through a bunch of articles and it looks like you, uh, you know, work in two worlds, the more traditional equities world, stocks, bonds, et cetera. And now the crypto world. So how, how did you get into this and how did you make this evolution from one to the other? Well, I started as a commodity trader on the floor of the mercantile exchange and the board of trade in the 1970s. And, you know, I traded derivative or commodities like pork bellies and those kind of products. And they introduced currency futures and then the S&P 500 with the introduction of financial futures into the 80s. And, you know, I was a market maker. I worked for Morgan Stanley. I ran their derivative department, you know, and we traded stock against these derivatives. And I ran that operation hmm. from the floor of the CME in the 80s and kind of watched that evolution. And, you know, it was just natural for me for cryptocurrency and digital currency because they are really the derivative products of, you know, 2017 and into 2020. What was it like when you worked on the Mercantile Exchange? Were you on the floor in the pit, you know, in the open outcry? Yeah. Selling? Yeah. Open really? outcry, you know, it was pre. We wrote stuff on cards. We used to hand signal into the pit and we would, wow. you know, they would write the order on the card and they were actually great at throwing these cards across the room. They could throw them into a basket that sat on the top of my desk. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was an interesting, uh, you know, it was an interesting parade of entertainment every day from 8.30 when the bell rang and until 3.15 when they closed. Any, you know, stories of uh, crazy things that happened while you were there? Well, you had, you know, you had the stock market crash from 1987, which tested the financial system and the markets were closed for days. I have stories, but I think that would take a bottle of tequila for you and I to sit down and go over <laughs> those like a little more in depth so we could drill down. I don't know that that's necessarily okay. for this platform, but, you know, I mean, I've seen, you know, they're kind of like hurricanes, you know, they come, they come every 10 years or so, the market tests, it did it again. And, you know, you had the crash in 87, you had another pullback in 1989 when United Airlines kind of sent the market 
teetering two years later and and you know we had the the internet stock pullback in the late 90s and then the mortgage crash of 2008 and they're like hurricanes they leave devastation it's funny to me though that you have these regulated markets that have volatility and pullback and you have a perfectly efficient non-regulated digital currency markets that is deeper than the OTC markets and that soon will overtake exchanges like NASDAQ. Unregulated. And they want to ruin it with regulation. Yeah. And keep this in mind. The archaic system of the clearing system that is T plus three to clear, whereas if you go buy a Bitcoin, it's, it's nearly zero latency. Right. No such thing as zero latency, but, and this is perfectly liquid. It's, you know, the problems happen when people try to transfer them. You know, if you're a miner or something, or you're buying the digital currency, people get their foot in the tripwire because they move it to somebody who scammed them, you know? So those, those problems will fix themselves, but you have an unregulated market that's operating perfectly, which certainly does not need the SEC to come in. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you. You're unique because you have this long-term perspective that you know most people in the crypto space don't at all. You know, I talk to people that have you know that say, "Oh, I've been in in crypto for four years," and they think that they're a grandfather. But you know, you've seen the markets for forty years, so you have a much different perspective. What are some of the interesting things you see that are happening, and where do you think all this is going? Do you think crypto is going to survive and prosper, or do you think it's uh, got some growing pains still? Well, I think it has some growing pains, but I don't think it's a trade or a fad. I think it's a uh, it's a paradigm shift in you know in the way that people will transact, and and it's you know it's a natural outgrowth of how important technologies become to our society. But the the real you know pitting of the foes are fiat currency versus peer to peer transactions. In fiat currency, the definition. A fiat currency is, you know, currency that's distributed on the good faith of the government. You know, the, the dollar went off the gold standard in the Nixon era. So it's just the good faith of all governments, free floating currency. You know, I mean, I don't I think that people certainly in countries where their currency has been devalued over and over again will never trust the government. They will only trust peer to peer currencies. So hmm. you can't. Another point is, from a regulatory standpoint, is the S&P 500 and the options in the futures were not regulated by the SEC. They were regulated by the CFTC and basically self-regulated, which is why the derivatives succeeded. There were many in the leadership of the Board of Trade and the Merck Mercantile Exchange that fought not to have the SEC involved. Now, Bitcoin has to do the same thing. Digital currencies and cryptocurrencies have to do the same thing. Regulation by the SEC will stunt the growth, and the peer-to-peer people do not want them to be their regulator, and they do not want them as a partner. They don't need them to represent them. Yeah, who who do you think would be some of the worst regulatory bodies that would really screw up uh, cryptocurrencies? You know, we got the Bit License in New York, which was a nightmare, an ongoing one. But you know, what's you said it should come from the CFTC and not the SEC. Any other recommendations there, or? Warnings well, I mean, people. I talked to some, you know, I talked to people who built the exchanges. Pat Arbor built the Board of Trade. Leo Balamid built the CME, you know, the idea of financial futures. These, And I talked to Pat the other day and I said, he said, the, the right thing to do is to go 
to the individual coins themselves and create power in the 865 digital currencies they have. Everybody throws in a little money and we become a collective. And I think that's what they did, you know, back in those days where they, you know, pooled all the market makers because the exchanges were nothing more than seat owners who regulated themselves. So I think the same hmm. parallel and the same path is what will, I think that's what will happen in uh, cryptocurrency. Oh, good. I hope so. Because you wouldn't want it to, uh, you know, to have stifling regulation. And I mean, look at China. Well, well yeah. What, and I want, knowing all you I know. Throw my hat at, I want to, I want to throw my hat in the ring right now. I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to launch that, you know, I'm ready to launch that, uh, you know, a self-regulating body. Yeah, you should have it. You know, they should, why should they, you know, their coins are powerful. You know, their, mm. their coins are liquid and powerful. They've raised money with no regulation. You know, Bitcoin is a, you know, the, the digital currencies, you know, uh, valuation is larger than the OTC markets. Mm selectively at 150 billion or whatever the number is, or, you know, it's larger than that organized exchange, which is operated for 50 years. So, you know, yeah. those guys, Ethereum, Bitcoin, you know, the top 25 should put their heads together and say, if we don't do this, the SEC is going to come in and they're going to start knocking the legs out. And you don't want to, you don't need them as a regulatory body. So you better get organized on the front end. Yeah, well, I, I interviewed a guy named uh, John Gotts. Uh, he runs a, a, well, he started a self-regulating body called uh, the Token Exchange Self-Regulating Body. And so he's trying to do exactly that. So, you know, offline, I'll put you in touch with him. But yeah, I agree. It uh, it needs to be done because, right, we don't want other people to make the regulations for us and they may be very unfavorable. So, Well, they've done um, a great job coming up with these coins, getting them to launch. You know, they put in a lot of work and they got paid for it. You know, the thing is, is the risk reward is perfectly balanced in digital currencies. People say, well, you know, it can crash, but you know what? It can also go up thousands of percent. So the the risk reward in any digital currency is, is perfectly balanced right now. Hmm. Interesting because, you say that. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if I buy Litecoin, it can't go below 62, can't go to negative. So you know exactly what your risk is, right? And you don't. Most people don't buy on margin, so there's even less risk. I would say probably so, ninety, some hundred percent of the whole ecosystem is, uh, you know, is not on debt. It's not debt based. So, yeah, I mean, I think the risk reward is perfectly balanced in all the digital currencies. If you buy Bitcoin, you have a lot of risk, but Bitcoin can go to twenty five thousand in the next two years without a problem. They don't melt down like internet stocks did. They melt up. So if you and go ask someone who traded them from the short side, try to get that you know corn cob out of your ear when Bitcoin goes from eight eighteen hundred to forty eight hundred. That doesn't look good in the old uh, trading ledger. Well, let, let's talk about some of the the naysayers. You know, let's start with China. What's your perception? What are they doing and why? Why are they? You know, they, they earlier this year they cracked down on exchanges. Now they're back and they're trying to ban everything. Like, what, what's their end game? You think? They have, an ex, they have an exodus of cash from their system into a coin that's unregulated and they don't control. That is the opposite of what they want. 
And it's the same thing for Jamie Dimon, at, which is why he's talking down Bitcoin and digital currencies, because all of his accounts and all of his wealth managers each week buy some digital currencies that go away from the accounts that they were in. He sees the numbers and they're going into an, an unregulated market that he doesn't get a fee in. That's bad. Hmm. You know, so they're 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 in the same boat. Well, Jamie Dimon runs the regulatory bodies in the U.S. since 2008. It's the rules the big banks do. So they're no different than People's Bank of China. They're no different. Hmm. So, you know, the 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 money. I mean, I would think they think I would think they assume the cat's out of the bag. They can't stop it, but I guess they can control it. So what do you think that they're going to do? Well, they missed the first part of the move. They either have to get it down low enough where they can buy it and get involved. Because if they miss the second leg, you know, financial futures and wealth management can go away in terms of an earn. They've been making so much money for so many years on, you know, wealthy individuals who are now moving money from their IRA into digital currencies that their numbers are shrinking in terms of JP Morgan and the banks and Goldman. And so they have to get involved in blockchain technology. They have to get involved in the ICO markets and participate in the fee structure. The bank of China has to stop the outflow. People want to get their money out of China any way that they can go look at the real estate prices in Vancouver. Those, you know, go look, they want, PBOC just wants to shut the flow off and they're saber rattling and, you know, doing whatever they need to do to, to stem that. Hmm. So what do you think will happen? Do you think this, uh, this grand plan by, you know, the Jamie diamonds of the world and the PBOC, uh, are they caught unawares or are they, they know what they're going to do. And this is just part of like an orchestrated plan to, uh, either sink the markets lower or to, to maybe yep. stomp so out and regulate all the, the normal players. To try to do that, to get it to slow the growth, you know, so they can catch up and so they can repool, you know, their businesses. You know, China wants to have their own digital currency. And, you know, I wrote an article today. I think that they're just, you know, they need to get in and they're not in and they're going to slow it until they get in. Digital currencies are not going down. I mean, they're going up. They're not going down. The, the peer to yeah, the horses are at the Horses are out of the barn, you know, the peer-to-peer format, you know, versus uh, fiat currency that just people are just going to say, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not going to get stuck in the brokerage three-day clearing. I'm not going to continue to pay fees to the banks. I'm not going to overpay when I can do it here. It's liquid. It's fast. It's traceable. It's recognizable. It's readily adopted and adoptable. But I mean, people say, well, you have 850 coins. Well, there were, you know, the same thing happened in internet stocks. There were 800 internet stocks. Another thousand came public in the 90s, and that was the top of the market. The same thing will happen in the ICOs. They'll all come out at the same time, and then they'll, the bad ones will fall away, and the good ones will survive to live on as the benchmarks. Where are we at in the cycle? You think um, do we this, do crypto still have a, a lot of room to grow, or do you think it could be in a bubble right now and there'll be a shakeout soon? What do you? What's your guess? Well, I think that 
I think they're going to be volatile and they're the, you know, the fastest game in town, but I think they have much more upside. I think, you know, technically you've really only had two moves in Bitcoin. You know, you had the rally in the Mount Gox break, and then you had this rally. So this projects, you know, we had 5,000 in Bitcoin a year and a half ago as a target. So I think it has a pullback in it, but I'm 62. I think they trade 25,000 in my lifetime. And that's really not that unusual when you, you know, if you go to, you know, in California, people bought beach houses in the 80s for $130,000 that are, you know, 13 million or 1.3 million. Amazon traded, uh, you know, $13 for the crash, you know, and it's trading a thousand. So it's not the explosion of assets is not really that unusual. You know, it isn't. Yeah, have you seen that, you know, in, in the equities.com side of you, are you seeing money leaving the traditional stock market yet? Um, gold, commodities, are you seeing it move into crypto? No, I think the same people that trade the, because the, the trading tools have allowed doctors and dentists and speculators to trade micro cap stocks, you know, no, and, you know, lower price stocks, they can't trade Amazon at $1,000 or Google or you know, some, you know, they buy Facebook and stuff, but they'd rather trade stocks under $5 in a lot of cases, stocks under a dollar because they can trade them in size and make some money and, you know, flip them back and forth. It's interesting. And I think those same people are tr now participating in digital currencies. And I think they're trading hmm. them side by side. Most people I know, I do. Yeah, it makes sense. So um, let's talk a little bit about your, uh, your content, you know, equities.com and cryptosumerism.com. What, what's the goal of the sites? What kind of articles are you putting out on them? And what, you know, again, what's the goal of those two uh, sites, those two businesses? Well, Equities aims at the micro cap and small cap market. And the business model there, our client, our traditional client is, uh, you know, a company that wants market awareness and it needs to have their story told. And we do that through our editorial department and we publish sponsored content. Most sites today, uh, you know, that that you read Yahoo or you know Huffington Post, a lot of it is auto-gen driven, you know, and they build database. It's about building the database and having the ability, like when you have a client, you go out and you, you know, buy, uh, you know, you buy Google ads and content, and you you get the message out. We have a nice database, equities.com, so we know what works. Buy our audience open, but if we find something that works, we'll go spend some money on Google and push it out to the masses and get the message across, and our clients are happy about that. Crypto consumerism is easier because everybody wants to read about digital currencies. And you can, you know, people are just flocking there. So we, you know, to read more and become more informed and they devour that information. So because of the media cycle, what's interesting to me is I've written probably for two decades and I, I watched marijuana, which I thought was, you know, an exploding industry get knocked out of the media cycle after the election by digital currencies. And nobody even talked about marijuana stocks. Yeah. So it's, in, it's interesting how things evolve. You know, now it's, which right in the gun sites of investors who 
are devouring information about it. But, you know, Equities is, was a, it's been around a long time. It was a magazine in 1950. And, um, you know, uh, the great, great owners there. Uh, Bob is a great guy and great writers and researchers and a loyal audience and crypto consumerism, great partners there. And, uh, you know, looking forward to an exploding new market working with people like yourself. Yeah. And again, I'm fascinated because, um, again, the industry just seems to attract like kids and you know, really young people. And, you know, you're one of the, uh, literally the elder statesmen, not that you're old, but, um, what do you think that you see that others are missing because of your perspective? Again, you've been in the game a long time, much longer than anyone here. Anything pops out of you or any interesting things you're seeing that, uh, you think need to be communicated. I want to hear your perspective. Well, I think the ease of trading the products, you know, once you get by the initial kind of, you know, security things so that you can access the markets, the information is so much faster and digital currencies don't really have any fundamentals. And what are the fundamentals for, you know, Dash? People don't even even read the white paper. They're looking at the trading action. So not like a stock where they're reading the filings or reading a research report from Goldman Sachs. There are no fundamentals really. So they're only looking at price and time. You know, the tools now, you better be a good trader or you're going to get eaten up. You know, and I think a lot of the people are going to learn the hard way of an important word that wasn't a vocabulary called volatility. Well, I compare the, um, you know, the tokens, the stocks, there's, pretty much none of them that have a dividend. Um, So, you know, in a regular stock, why buy it? Because you think the enterprise is going to do well. You know, the company that's like Gollum, let's say, they're going to do this worldwide computer. Um, If they execute on their roadmap and they do well and their technology is adopted, then I think people will speculate more in their token and the token value will increase, you know, or Ripple or any of these other tokens that are out there. So I guess that's where the the fundamentals come from the performance of the developers and the company itself, but it's so early. We don't really have that for most tokens, you know, Ethereum. Yeah. It looks like we do have that. Um, Bitcoin as it evolves and it, I think Bitcoin's value will be in more mass adoption, maybe layer two technologies. So I guess I look at that as the quote unquote fundamentals, but you're right. It's still so early. There really aren't any for most of these tokens. But that's really not that much different from 1995 when people speculated that social media sites, you know, would come around and would have this mobile revenue. And this was long before 5G and 3G. They priced in the growth expectation into those stocks into the 90s, long pre-revenue, long before revenue. They were anticipating the revenue 10 years out, 15 years out today. Those stocks in 1995 anticipated the revenue in Qualcomm because of 3G. That's why technology stocks have, you know, a 54 multiple. Digital currencies are carrying the same lofty multiples, but it makes sense. It made sense for many of the internet stocks in the 90s, and it makes sense now for benchmark digital currencies in terms of valuation, present-day valuation. What do you think it's going to take for... um you know, Bitcoin or some of the other cryptos to become widespread? When do I get to, you know, walk into a store and say, hey, do you guys take Bitcoin? And they say, of course we do. Or, you know, when am I going to be using one of the cryptos for some kind of transaction, whether I know it or not? When's it going to become widespread? What's left to have happen? 
18 months, you know, 18 months, three years max. It's the same as driverless cars following the same path because you can okay, go now. There's side by side. Well, the, well, if you can go, I mean, I can walk in downtown LA and side by side is an ATM machine and a Bitcoin ATM in a, you know, liquor store on, you know, on seventh Avenue or around the corner where I go to lunch. So it's already here. You know, so are autonomous cars. Basically you can take a car from San Francisco to LA that, Tesla is testing that is driverless with a, you know, somebody in the car. It's not like it's not completely driverless and they're testing, you know, on lab rats. But so you can do, you know, it's following the same path. Technology is telling us what, how we're going to transact. James Diamond isn't telling us how we're going to transact three years from now. Your generation is with the ease, security, inexpensive cost and safety, it will tell us how we transact. And the adoption rate is up to them. You know, it's not up to me at 61 or my friends in their 70s. They don't have time for that. I mean, you know, maybe they'll trade it. They'll play around with it a little bit, but your generation will determine the adoption rate. And from what I see, they exceed Moore's law being twice as fast every 18 months, which is Moore's law, your generation pushes Moore's law to its limits. Okay. Makes sense. All right. So, you know, we're, we're just about up on time. Um, how can listeners learn more about equities.com and cryptoconsumerism.com? Which I keep saying the name slightly wrong. Um, That's okay. You know, that. They, they, they can go to the sites. They can, you know, we'll, we'll put some information up on your site. You know, you can always, Go to LinkedIn and find me, Steve Cannaval. I'm easy to find. I'm the editor at equities.com. That's an easy one to go to. You know, I publish there every day. So does my son. He has the same name. So don't get confused because I have different opinions than he does. <laughs> right on. And, uh, you know, last thing for listeners is you're going to be coming and speaking, or one of your reps is going to be coming and speaking at the uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference in February. We're really glad to have you guys and your perspective, you know. Again, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you've been around in the markets for you know for decades. So thanks again for coming. Any any last items that you wanted to cover? Oh, I look forward to it. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, I appreciate your attention, and we look forward to educating and informing the audience. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 